God's on the move in this place. He's on the move in your hearts. He's on the move in your lives. He's on the move in our church. I believe it. I can see it. I can sense it. I'm excited about what he has for us tonight. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. As we move a little further into our Shattering Strongholds series. And my prayer has continued to be that we would see God's power and might at work to pull down the strongholds of our lives and show us how we can live in the fullness of freedom that he gives to us. And I'm fully trusting in faith we're going to see him do just that. Guys, he spoke creation into existence. He pushed up the mountains. He scooped out the seas. He placed the stars and set planets into their orbit. Our strongholds are nothing for him. I hope you understand that, that, that your stronghold, no matter how big, no matter how massive, no matter how glaring it seems in your life, is nothing in comparison to the almighty creator of this universe. Our strongholds are nothing in comparison to his power. So I believe that we're going to see our massive God do some massive shifting in our lives to set people free over these next few weeks. So grab somebody next to you and shake them as we get started and tell them freedom is coming. Freedom is coming. Freedom is on its way. In Jesus' name, you're about to see some things get torn down in your life that have been there for a long, long time. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Let's talk about waging your war. Last week we talked about confronting your chains. This week I want us to talk about waging your war. It's already been clarified that we are involved in a very real battle with a very real enemy, a battle that is spiritual in nature and fought against unseen forces. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 6, 12 puts it this way, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. As a child of God, your fight is not against flesh and blood, even though it may seem like it is at times. Your enemy is a spiritual one, and he's a fighter. And I think it's important that we all prepare ourselves with that mentality as we move forward, because the shattering of strongholds means that battles are going to have to be fought. These things aren't going to come down overnight. My grandmother, when I was a kid, they used to spend a night at her house all the time, and she would tell me bedtime stories before I went to bed. And one of my favorite ones that she used to tell me was the story of the three little pigs. Y'all familiar with the three little pigs? The three little pigs, you know, they had three different houses, and then they had an enemy as well. It was the big bad wolf. And so the first little piggy, you know, his house was made of straw, and the big bad wolf showed up, and he knocked on the door, and he said, let me in. And the little piggy said, no, you're not coming in here. And so what did the big bad wolf do? Well, he huffed, and he puffed, and he Blew the house down. The little piggy ran to his neighbor's house, his cousin's house, and his house was made of sticks. And the wolf followed him over there, and he knocked on the door, and he said, little piggies, let me in. They're like, no, you're not coming in this house either. So what do you do? He huffed, and he puffed, and he blew the house down. You can't big bad wolf your way out of this. 
these strongholds that you have in your life. You're not going to simply be able to huff and pluff and blow them down. It's not going to work that way. If we want to regain what the enemy has unrightfully gained control of in our life, it's time to go to war. It's time to let him know that enough is enough. But he's not going to give up easily the ground that he has gained. He likes having control, so it's time to fight. But there's a right, effective way to do it. And so we're going to let God, who, by the way, has never lost a battle. Y'all awake? We're going to let God, who has never lost a battle, teach us how to war a little bit tonight. So when it comes to waging your war, the first thing I need you to know is that it's important for you to know your battlefield. You've got to know your battlefield. If you go back and look in verse Three, Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. So before technological advancements changed how wars were fought and how strategies were formed, there was a less recognized but no less important role of the scout. Now, the scout was sent in before the actual battle was ever going to be fought in order to gain intel on, number one, the enemy. So how many of them do they have in their force? Where are they positioned? Where are they encamped at? What kind of firepower do they possess? He would gain intel on his enemy. But then he would also gain intel on the land, the terrain and the topography and any kind of distinguishing features that might be a part of where that battlefield was going to be located at. And all those things were vitally important because when you know those things, then you know what you're about to walk into. You're not caught by surprise. You're not caught off guard by some detail that you weren't prepared for. And so the role of the scout was vitally important to the success of that army as they went into battle. So they would know what to anticipate. So they would know how to form a strategy that would help them be the most successful in the fight that they were about to engage in. The same is true for us in this instance. In the context of our strongholds, we need to know what the battlefield looks like. When the fighting starts, what is our enemy going to try and use in his favor? And Paul tells us this war isn't according to the flesh. So this battlefield, it isn't located in a field. It's not located in an arena somewhere. There's no lining up across from each other to take aim and fire. There's no sniper getting positioned on the roof to pick targets off from a far-off distance. These battles over control of your stronghold, they're going to take place in your mind. They're going to take place in your conscience. They're going to take place in your heart. It's these intangible places that you cannot physically grab or restrain or subdue by force. And this is important because a lot of us would say, I've, I've been fighting the enemy over this. You're not telling me anything new, Trey. The fact that you're trying to inspire me to get motivated to wage my war, to fight my fight is nothing new for me. I've been fighting. I've been warring. I've been battling. I get that. But it seems like I just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on losing. And for a lot of you, the reason for that is because you're fighting in the wrong fields. 
Let me show you, because I had to learn this myself through experience. You think fighting that sexual stronghold looks like not putting myself in compromising situations or having blocks on my devices or deleting certain apps. Now, those are good moves, but it's the wrong field. You think fighting that self-harm, depressive tendency type stronghold looks like doing your best to never fail or disappoint or let anybody down, and that seems logical when we think it out, but it's the wrong field. You think fighting that eating disorder that you have been battling with looks like avoiding the scales or ignoring the size tag, and those are good intentions, but it's the wrong field. And so here's what happens. We keep losing because even though I know not to, I still keep putting myself in compromising places. Even though I have blocks, I know how to get around them. Even though I've deleted certain apps, I know where I can re-download them. We keep losing because even though I try so hard not to fail or disappoint or let someone down, it's just a natural part of life that is going to continue to happen. We keep losing because even though I avoid the scales, I pass the mirror. Even though I ignore the tag, it still falls out when I pull the shirt off the shelf. And all we end up doing is pushing back on physical manifestations that come as a result of spiritual assaults. And the truth of the matter is, we need to be fighting the enemy in the fields of our minds and our hearts because it's our mind that has to be restored and it's my heart that has to be renewed if we're going to even begin seeing some victories. It's time to let the devil know. I know where you are now. I know what field you're in. And in the name of Jesus, there's a whole lot of fight that's fixing to be coming your way because that's not your field. That field Jesus sought, Jesus fought, and Jesus bought. So get out of my field, devil. He has no right to be in the places that he's in. You do realize that, right? You are a blood-bought, set-free, redeemed child of the king. He has no claim on that piece of real estate that he's trying to live in. None. But if you want to start seeing some victories, you've got to get in those fields that he's in. Stop fighting in the wrong places and meet him where he's at. Know your battlefield. If you want to be success. You want to have success in the fight. One other key important ingredient is going to be that you choose the right weapons. If you go back and look in the first part of verse 4, Paul says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. And so there's something interesting to take note of here. At the beginning, in verse 3, we saw that Paul states that our battlefield is not according to flesh. And then again, here in verse 4, we see that he also states that our weapons are not of the flesh. So to acknowledge the obvious, machine guns, rocket launchers, grenades, swords, none of those weapons are going to do us any good in this battle, obviously. Spiritual warfare calls for spiritual weapons. And it's important that we know what those are. 
because figuratively speaking, you don't want to be someone who brings a knife to a gunfight. It's not going to fare well for you. And for most of us, that's exactly what we've been doing in our battles with our adversary. We've been bringing weak, insufficient weapons to the fight. And if we're just being honest, you've been getting your stuff handed to you. He is wearing you out because you are fighting him with the wrong weaponry. Now, I know within the context of your stronghold, none of you are literally trying to fight the enemy with machine guns or rocket launchers. I get that. Like, nobody busts out the bedroom door in the morning with an AR-15 strapped across their chest saying, all right, devil, where you at today? I'm ready to, you see this? Come and get you a mouthful of lead. I know nobody's actually literally doing those things in fighting your spiritual battles. But just like what we saw with fighting in the wrong field, some of you are losing battles because you're fighting with the wrong weapons. So just for example, let me highlight this. Self-will against a stronghold is a weak weapon. Self-determination against a stronghold is a weak weapon. Self-awareness against a stronghold is a weak weapon. Self-motivation against a stronghold is a weak weapon. Now, I mention every single one of those, self-will, self-determination, self-awareness, and self-motivation, because I guarantee you those are the weapons that you have been fighting with. You look at your stronghold, and you think, well, if, if I just had enough willpower, if I just willed enough, if I just put enough effort into it, I could get past those things. And yet you get beat time and time again in the fight. Some of us look at it in the same way. If I just have enough determination, if I have enough grit, if I just really bear down, if I really put everything that I have, if I put my heart and soul behind overcoming this, then I will start to see victory, and you're getting beat every single time. Some of you think, well, I need to have more of an awareness. If I'm aware of what's going on, if I keep a self-awareness of where I'm being attacked at and how the enemy is coming after me, then that awareness will help me next time to avoid the battle. Yet you still keep getting beat over and over again. Some of you think, if I can just get motivated enough to do more, to read more, to study more, to praise more, to attend more, that will help me get past my strongholds, and you're getting beat every single time. Why? Because every one of them originate with you. And we are flesh, and our flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus told his disciples, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You're fighting a spiritual battle with fleshly weak weapons. Thankfully, Jesus provides a weapons upgrade. And so I want us to take a look at what he would suggest fighting with. The first one is this, and you might be surprised by some, and you might not be. The first weapon of his suggestion is the weapon of declaration. A weapon of declaration. Listen, there is power and authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? I'm not a big amener, but dadgummit. Is there power and authority in the name of Jesus? Absolutely. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know what that plain and simple truth is? There is no one that supersedes Jesus in power and authority. Nobody. Not Satan, not his demons. No one. All authority has been given unto me. So listen, if you, if you want a good weapon to go into battle with, just quite simply the name of Jesus and a declaration in that name is a good place for you to start. There's power and authority in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. I'm going to read a little story with you for a second. And it's quite interesting if you've never heard of it before. But, you know, when the Holy Spirit fell down upon the apostles, they were doing many signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And it says that Paul was so filled with the Spirit that when he would pass by people in the street and his shadow would fall across them, they would be healed from their diseases. And so there's a group of guys, they're identified in the Scripture as the seven sons of Sceva. And they saw all this cool stuff Paul was doing in the name of Jesus. So they decided, hey, we want to try some of that cool stuff out for ourselves. And look what happens. It says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So they're going to do the exact thing that I just told you to do. And this is what they said. They're going to confront a group of demons. It says, I adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So these guys get this bright idea that they're going to try some of this spirit-filled, holy, healing, Paul-type stuff, casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And so they find this guy that's been demon-possessed, and they walk up to him and they say, Hey, we declare by the name of Jesus, who Paul proclaims, that you come out of this man. And the demon's response is, I know Jesus, I've heard of Paul, but who are you clowns? And then, I love how Scripture doesn't leave out detail in this instance. This man that was possessed by these demons, it says that he jumped on them and whipped them so bad that somehow he ended up getting their clothes off of them as a further shame and embarrassment, and they're naked running down the street while this guy is just whipping them all up and down the town square. Now, what happened? I thought we were supposed to declare the name of Jesus. I thought there was power and authority in the name of Jesus. I thought these guys called on the name of Jesus. They did, but there was one mistake. They said, we declare by the name of Jesus who Paul proclaims. Listen to me. Mm. It does you no good to proclaim the name of Jesus through somebody else's name. Jesus' relationship with you is personal. And His power and authority fills you so you don't have to proclaim His name through somebody else. When you confront the devil, when you confront his lies, you do so in the name of Jesus who you know yourself. 
Not because, hey, I'm going to call you out, devil, in the name of Jesus, who my mama knows, in the name of Jesus, who my daddy knows, in the name of Jesus, who my grandparents know because they took me to church. No, it's got to be in the name of Jesus, who you yourself know. Declaration is a powerful weapon. Demons hear the name of Jesus and they tremble at it. Speak his name. Declare his name. Jesus' next weapon of choice, the Word. The Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 outlines the armor of God and it describes God's Word as a sword. It's the only offensive weapon that Scripture tells us that we have to fight spiritual battles with. Everything else is put on to defend us. God's Word is the one offensive weapon that we have to fight back with. In John 8, chapter, or John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Listen, with the Word of God, we combat the lies of the enemy to find freedom. Jesus himself was the prime example of this when he faced a temptation from the devil after he had been out fasting in the wilderness. He combated every lie, every half-truth that the devil spoke with the full truth of God's Word. This is why it's important, ladies and gentlemen, that you spend daily time in God's Word, meditating on it, studying on it, hiding it in your heart, so you can distinguish the half-truths of the enemy from the full truth of God's mouth. And if you want to start seeing some victories in your life, then you need to start taking the Word of God into your battles as a weapon to fight with. Nothing strikes down the deception and the lies of the enemy quicker than the Word of God. Take the Word with you as a weapon. Take prayer with you as a weapon. It's one of our greatest yet most underutilized weapons against the enemy. Mark chapter 9, it's an interesting account of Jesus after he comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration while he's been up there. Once again, we have another demonic type experience going on at the base of the mountain. Jesus is up on top of the mountain with Peter and James and John and at the bottom of the rest of the disciples and this man shows up and he says, my son is demon possessed and often this demon attacks him and it convulses him and seizes him and it tries to cast him into fire or cast him into water and I've tried and tried and tried but there's nothing anybody can seem to do for my son and I brought him to your disciples and yet they are unable to cast him out. And listen to what Jesus says after he casts the demon out of the boy and sends the man on his way. He's having a conversation with his disciples, and his disciples are curious as to the fact of why they were unsuccessful in their attempts to help this man. And Jesus says this, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And, and some of us have, quite honestly, strongholds that remain because of a lack of supplication, a lack of prayer. There are things that God would tear down in your life if you would just utilize the weapon of prayer. If you would just daily seek after Him and ask that that thing be removed, you would be shocked. And how many temptations, how many struggles can be overcome in your life if you would 
develop a daily prayer routine, if you would get in the habit of having communication and conversation with God, oftentimes it seems like our conversations with the Lord are more like solar eclipses. They only happen once every few years. But when it happens, we always make a spectacle out of it. Hey, God, I know it's been a long time since we talked, but I got some really big stuff that I need you to come through on. Daily conversations, daily communication with God. Prayer is a weapon that can be used to shatter strongholds. One more. One more that Jesus should suggest. And that's the Holy Spirit. And so we've discussed how we are unable to overcome these strongholds on our own. This enemy that we're battling against is stronger than we are. And that's just the reality of the matter. He is stronger, he is more powerful than you are. And Jesus knew that, and so he sent us someone he describes in his word as a helper. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. You know who the Holy Spirit is? I don't know if this is necessarily the best example, the best analogy, so hope God is all right with me using it. But did you ever have a bully at school? Did you ever have anybody that just picked on you constantly? How many of you have an older sibling? That, that bully in school, that person that picked on you all the time, did you ever threaten them back with your big brother? Or your big sister? When you finally had enough, did you ever give them the big cut back? And you didn't know if it was going to work or not. You just thought, i got to do something to try and intimidate this person. But to let them know that, hey, if you do that again, I'm going to get my big brother. I'm going to get my big sister. And they're going to beat the mess out of you. While you're, like, crying, getting back on the bus. Like, I'm not taking this anymore. I get my big brother, my big sister, and they'll show you. But why? Because we knew we couldn't overcome them. Because we knew they were stronger than we were, they were bigger than we were. We wouldn't stand a chance. But we knew somebody who would. You ever been bullied by the devil? You ever been picked on by his demons? You ever been intimidated by his tactics? Can't do anything about it. He'll push you all over the room, and we know it. We can't overcome him. We can't fight. If we get in a fist fight, we're going to lose horribly. But we know somebody who can. We know somebody who does have the power. We know somebody who in Scripture is described as having a mighty right hand. And listen, that mighty right hand isn't just for upholding God's saints, it's also for whooping on Satan. The Holy Spirit is a weapon. Jesus said, I'll give you, quote unquote, a big brother to take to the fight. So the next time that the devil wants to pick on you, the next time he wants to try to reestablish that stronghold that you're pressing so desperately into Jesus to bring down and he tries to feed you lie after lie after lie like it will never happen or like it's going to be too difficult for you to overcome you say okay devil wait just one minute I'm gonna get my big brother for a second you go over here and you grab the Holy Spirit and you say hey Holy Spirit I got some trouble with it dude 
Most of the time in my life, what I found is that by the time I get back, the devil's not even there anymore. Take the Holy Spirit. Listen, we'll see victory come in our lives when we start fighting with effective weapons. It'll happen. You just got to upgrade from what you've been using. One more key. One more key in the fight. And that's to stay focused on the objective. If you go back and look at the last part of verse 4, in chapter 10, Paul says, The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And so the last important element when it comes to waging war is to focus on the objective. In other words, what's trying to be accomplished? What is the mission? Which is those last three words, to destroy strongholds. In those days, soldiers of war were trained with a mentality to carry out the mission no matter what. In the heat of battle, things are always going to get crazy. That's the nature of war. That's the nature of battle. It's craziness. It's hectic. There's explosions going off. There's yelling. There's people running around everywhere. There's mass chaos. There's unexpected obstacles that you're going to come up against. War is full of all kinds of craziness. And with all those things going on, it can become very easy to be distracted and lose sight of what you're there to do and the mission that you're trying to accomplish. And so they would train these men to have a mentality that once they got out into the field and the fighting started, that no matter what was going on around them, to tune it out and focus in on the mission and focus in on the objective of what they were there to fulfill and carry out. One of the things that I have personally learned is that when you declare war on a stronghold that the enemy has claimed control of, he will attempt to distract you in any way that he can from carrying out the mission. Things will get crazy if you dare enter into this fight. It's going to get wild, I promise you. He will create as much noise as he can. He will wreak as much havoc as he can in order to try and get your focus pulled off of what you were trying to accomplish in your life and what Jesus is going to do through your life. And so this can come through many different avenues. And some of the main ones that I have learned that he uses is that he may come through your family. He may come through your friends. He may come through your job. He may attack your health. He may try and cripple your mind. Whatever he can do to distract, whatever extracurricular noise or racket that he can make so that you get your gaze off of what is trying to be accomplished and onto the racket that he is making, that's his goal. That's his aim. Listen, don't, don't play into his hand when it comes to that. You've been made aware tonight for the first time now maybe how he works in these ways. 
Now that you're aware, don't play into his hand. You lock in on that thing that you know Jesus has the power and the authority to set you free from. And whatever kind of racket he makes off to the sides, whatever kind of explosions, whatever kind of fireworks show he sets off to the left or to the right, you don't pay any attention to it. You lock in. Stay focused on the objective. Stay focused on what Jesus is going to set you free from. Listen, it's going to be war. Literally. It's already been war for me. Just because of the nature of the series. But listen. Is war... Is war scary? Absolutely. 100%. I would never want to go to war. I would never want to participate in that. It is terrifying, 100%. But listen, it's not quite as scary when the outcome has already been decided. And just in case you need the reminder... There's a reason why we display that symbol. Because it's a reminder that the war has already been won. That he's already a defeated foe. He's already been put in his place. And whether he wants to admit it or not, or acknowledge it, he knows he's lost. Actually, the writer of Hebrews tells us that when Jesus went to the cross... And then three days rose from the grave. He publicly disarmed these rulers, these principalities, these cosmic powers in the spiritual realm that we read about in Ephesians 6. Disarmed. Think about it, guys. You get to go into a war to fight with weapons that you've been given against a disarmed enemy. These next few weeks are going to be a slaughter for him. I don't feel bad for him. Not one bit. Romans 8, 31 through 37, or 31 and 37 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Time to fight. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.